What's up, y'all? I have a very uh, ambiguous question to ask. What is considered real art? Is it a sculpture? A painting? A digital image? A ceramic pot? Does it matter who makes it? I think there's an artist in all of us, but um, it, it's, um, it's sitting with yourself and allowing yourself to feel what you're supposed to feel without judgment. My guest today is the artist Sarah Baba. Now, you may have seen her dreamy photographs on Instagram or Tumblr over the years. She's a visual artist, writer, director, storyteller, a true multi-hyphenate. And today we're going to talk all about how identity and art can intertwine and reveal our true authentic selves. My name is Christopher Rivas, and this is Brown Enough, stories between black and white. Let's start the show. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before meeting Sarah in person, I'd seen her pictures scrolling down on Instagram. I was struck by them. I knew she was building a world because each image told a story. When did you know that you wanted to be an artist? Uh, I think I was born into it. I think uh, a lot of my childhood was centered around creating these like playgrounds in my head, which I can imagine a reality away from my... Um, like mundane life in Australia. And yeah, I think I was always creating. I was always creating spaces I could just exist in and reimagine my world. Spaces I could exist in and reimagine my world. Beautiful. What's a piece of art that stood out to you? Uh, I um, I actually studied art in high school <laughs> and I really fell in love with Impressionism and Surrealism. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what does it mean to be an artist? Ah, that's a good question. Um what does it mean to be an artist? Having the ability to access your emotions and express yourself through a medium that you are passionate about. Beautiful. I take being an artist as a as a high responsibility. Yeah. You know, we've interviewed a lot of people on here, but not everyone identifies as like, I am an artist. 
which is this sort of vague, uh, not vague, but very, it can be a lot of things. And I think uh, in today's society, it's crucial that we nourish artists and give artists opportunities and voices because, you know, when a coup comes in and uh, a dictator comes by, artists are the first things to go. Yeah, that's true. Because artists have this immense power. So I thank you for being an artist. Sarah was raised by immigrant parents who were culturally conservative. She grew up in Australia, a world away from the culture her parents knew. Despite her challenges growing up, she now lives in sunny Los Angeles and is finally beginning to own who she is. Um, so I grew up in Perth. It's a, a small town in on, in Western Australia. And uh, I grew up in a very conservative Christian Middle Eastern household and you know being a child of Palestinian Jordanian parents my my parents immigrated with the mentality that they were bringing every part of their culture to Perth and to the house that I grew up in and then they put us in private schools which were very white centric Uh, most of my peers were white there was maybe a few like brown people and maybe maybe one black person (laughs) yeah and so um it was very hard for me to fit into these spaces because at home, you know, I was being taught to be this like submissive and obedient, you know, Christian, good Arab girl. And then at school with my white peers, I was being told to be this free, rebellious, like sex orientated woman. And so I didn't really feel like I had this space where I could fit in. Um, And it wasn't until I moved to America that I realized just how whitewashed I was and just how how much I was sacrificing so much of my identity to fit into these white spaces. And it, it started with blue contacts and straightening my hair and avoiding the sun and, you know... Uh, not eating, like starving myself so my Arab curves wouldn't kick in. And then um, that kind of manifested into like, you know, my conditioning and like the people I surrounded myself with. And I I think I was just very lost for a really long time until I came here and I realized like there's more to the world than whiteness. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. Uh, There's far more to the world than whiteness. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's why I say bodies of culture and not bodies of color. Yeah. Whiteness doesn't try and take our color. What it wants is our culture. And often what it wants to do is take our culture for currency, right? Like, what can I take from culture that will allow me to appropriate it and make it my own? What's the tipping point that says, like, oh, I'm going to reclaim my my brownness? The tipping point for me was, um, I mean, oh, there was there were so many moments. But I guess when I... When I moved to LA, my first year here was really difficult. Um, I I was like a shell of a human. I didn't really recognize myself anymore. I was really struggling with like anxiety and depression. And I had bulimia at the time. And like I just was so fixated on being someone other than who I was. And um, it took a huge awakening of, like, realizing if I kept going the way I was, I probably wouldn't survive. And so I started therapy and I started going to the gym and I just started implementing really healthy habits, which um, allowed me to work through a lot of my, like, repressed trauma around my identity. 
um, which which allowed me to eventually get to a place of like completely owning who I am and the people I come from. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Part of this work about owning herself was unpacking misconceptions about her faith. Because, let's be honest, there are a lot of misconceptions surrounding Middle Eastern people and what faith they might subscribe to. For Sarah, battling these misjudgments while trying to assert her own version of faith was complicated. The biggest misconception is all Arabs are from Islam and we're not. Um, Actually, a lot of us are Christians, a lot of us are Jewish, a lot of us are Muslim, right? And and people always just assume, like, you're automatically Muslim because the dominant part of the Middle East is, you know, they all come from Islam. And so I think, like, for me, the um, the biggest conflicts I've had is... I, it's not really a conflict. It's more just like I have to always correct people. I'm like, oh, just because I'm Arab, it doesn't mean I'm Muslim. I'm also I'm Christian, you know. And um, yeah, my because my parents came from Jordan and Palestine, which are very um, Muslim-dominated cities. A lot of the restrictions within Islam were brought on to our overall cultural upbringing, and so um, and so yeah, a lot of the fight for freedom for me as a very like liberated young individual um was breaking through like this mold that we had to be a certain way um like a good religious girl it doesn't really matter what the religion is (laughs) in order to um to be accepted by like our parents and our community and so um yeah it was just breaking free from all the restrictions that come from christianity and islam and in my household, yeah. How do your parents see your work now? Well, I unfortunately have them blocked so they don't see much. Um, It's just healthier, I want to say, because they are so set in their ways and I've definitely come to accept the fact that um, they will never accept my work, but especially my mother. She's so strict. And every time we're on the phone... She's always asking me, like, are you praying? Are you going to church? Like, are you behaving? That's the one I get the most. Um, she thinks I'm a virgin. Like, there's just, it's <laughs> it's wild out there. <laughs> She's really, I love her so much. She has the purest heart. And, you know, her faith is truly, um, truly, truly, like, so strong. And I, I, I look up to her, how she could be so dedicated um, to God and her Bible. Um, but obviously, like, when I'm I'm not in a place where I can, like, abide by her rules and, like, you know, the Christian way, because I'm not, I don't identify as Christian. I don't identify as anything. I just believe in, like, God. <laughs> and so it's it's hard for her to accept, honestly, yeah. Healthy boundaries. Yeah. (laughs) Also super important. You have this uh, beautiful series, which is titled Shame on Me, and you used Arabic and English in the captions. Yeah. 
one in listening to your what you said, the words you just used. I feel like I feel this duality of America, Perth, of brown whiteness. You know,、um, was there any kickback or backlash with the intimacy of your work and the combination of Arabic and and these images? Yeah.、Uh- From my mom. <laughs> no, no, it was it was pretty serious actually.、Um, I shot that series months and months before I released it because I had to、um, really like peer study,、uh, not peer study, peer test it with like my community,、um, and because like being a brown woman who owns her sexuality, and I, you know, I really try and liberate myself through my art specifically, and. Um, I find that it was、uh, we were all kind of scared. Like my team was scared to release it because of the backlash it might have in the Middle East. And like、I'm, I've never, you know, been to Palestine where I'm from, and you know, I've never been to Saudi and all these places. And I'm like, if this series goes viral, am I going to be allowed in? You know, like legitimate concerns. And、um, but everyone we spoke to, we asked a bunch of people. We showed like so many members of our community, and everyone's like, Sarah, this is amazing. You have to release it. And so when I did,、um, it was actually ninety nine point nine percent positive, and there was like thousands and thousands and thousands of people sharing it, and hundreds of thousands of people engaged in the series.、Um, but then it started spreading to like all these like mini. Accounts on Instagram, and it was there was so much hate, and it was you know the very like traditional old world mentality that a woman can't be free.、Um, all these people were commenting, calling me a shadmuta, which means slut, and like、um, what there was like the devil's child and the woman of the streets, like all these like really derogatory terms in Arabic that are so like offensive.、Um, but it was. Point one percent. So it really did.、Um, it, it was celebrated and it was widely accepted, which I'm stoked about. Sarah's work features a lot of visual motifs, recurring symbols, and images. Her bathtub makes several appearances throughout her work, as well as an abundance of food. So when I build my sets,、uh, I'm usually romanticizing. My reality and trying to expand it to be more indulgent and it, as if I could have anything I ever wanted, and so、um, yeah, when you see a lot of my photographs, they're always surrounded by lots and lots of food, and it's because I want to bring in my cultural roots into my work. And you know, when you come, have you ever been to a? This is another question for you. Have you ever been to a Arabs Arabs household for dinner? I have. That's the blessing of growing up in Queens. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, there's a lot of was, lot of Palestinians. I was nourished. There. <laughs>、um, so we we tend to over prepare, and you know, the women will spend like days in the kitchen, like grounding the meat and like rolling them into vine leaves and creating these really big decadent trays of like some of the best food you'll ever eat in your entire life. And so when these dinners and lunches happen, even breakfast, our breakfast is so beautiful, and there's like a million different plates on the table, but there's no room. For your actual plate, because there's just so <laughs> much food everywhere, and so、um, my motif is、um, incorporating that part of my culture into my work, and always celebrating food and indulgence as a way of、um, reimagining 
my uh not reimagining that's not the right word uh giving new meaning to my relationship with food because I did struggle with eating disorders for most of my life so I think it's for me it's so important like I've I've leaned into my art to um navigate my trauma and my mental illness and my obsessive thinking and so you know when people see my photographs and they see the dialogue on it a lot of that comes from me meditating over my pain and trying to find an outlet for it and so my my art has very much been birthed from my trauma and trying to create spaces where i feel safe to release the things that i wish i said or the things that um i actually said or you know the things that um i was too afraid to say you know yeah dope uh, may we all have the courage and patience to sit with uh, our our traumas. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Sarah and I are going to dive into her beautiful book, Dear Love. brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. We are back with visual artist Sarah Baba. Since photography is Sarah's main medium, I wanted to know where, when, and how her love affair with the camera began. So you're a photographer, one of the many things in your art world. When did you, was it a physical camera? Was it a phone? What was the first, like, picture? Uh, it was my sister's, um, she had a DSLR that she used for in college, and I would steal it. And I would go to the park and get my cousin to pose for me, and then I would paint photos of her. So it started with um, a passion for painting and wanting to paint like still life and portraits of people that I love. And then I was like, ah, I'm too impatient to paint. I'm going to start taking photos. Sarah's art is heavily influenced by films and romance. Her images are sensual, but always tell a story. 
Her art has made an impact, so much so that she was the first Arab to shoot a cover for GQ Middle East. Her work has been featured in countless publications, including The New York Times, Forbes, Vogue, The Hollywood Reporter, just to name a few. So I think you have this signature style. Uh, what inspired it? What's the, where did the pictures start to where they are now and where are they going? The, my signature style, um, so I used to shoot music festivals. Um, that's kind of where I started. And um, my goal was to capture the warmth and nostalgia of like long summer days where you're with your friends and you're in the sun and you're drinking wine and you're dancing and you're just flowing through the day till night. Um, and so a lot of my work, especially coming from Perth, such a sunny city, um, it was the focus was on using color to amplify the scene and have it be the thing that um, allows people to connect based on like their um, connection with what those colors represent. So what does a warm sunny day represent to them? And I would try and mark my photos with that feeling by using color. And over time, I started creating this um, signature that everyone's like, oh, that's a, that's a Sarah Baffa photo. Like, hmm. I, I know that's hers because of the way it's colored. So that's how my signature started. But then I, um, in 2015, I started using subtitles on my photos to express myself. And um, it was my innermost, like, vulnerable dialogue poured out onto my photographs. And that was stemmed from my love for Tumblr at the time and how <laughs> um, there were so many screenshots of um, films that had um, subtitles on them. And I was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to create photos instead of film and convince people that the photos came from a movie or something, but it was actually just a photograph with your truth on it. How do you come up with these ideas? Um, the playgrounds. The playgrounds in my head. I... I just, um, I really just like close my eyes and dream of, you know, where I want to be. And, and I build those worlds in my head to escape my reality. Uh, would you have a favorite photograph of yours? Of mine? Yeah. That I've taken? Yeah. There's too many. I actually really love a lot of my photographs. But there's one uh, from my series, Ayab, which is the shame on me one. Um, or shame on you. Depends how you want to, how you're saying it to someone. But, um. I'm lying in a bathtub, and there's a, a argile, which is the um, shisha pipe, and there's kanafe, and there's a kefeya, which is the Palestinian scarf, and I just think that completely embodies my personality. And I'm eating the kanafe um, from the plate in the bath, and the, a bathtub is my safe space. It's like a place where I go to, like sink in and then release and I always feel like I have like a little rebirth every time I have a bath because it's like you're in a womb and and so I think that's my favorite photograph I've talked about my personal struggles with identity in regards to representation several times on the show and Sarah understands that struggle too her next project hopes to address this I think in our conversation it's clear that your identity as a Palestinian Middle Eastern woman has inspired your work uh, what other, is that the main source of inspiration or is it, you know, what are you still looking for? What big questions are you asking? Yeah. So I guess um, the questions that I'm trying to ask myself right now, 
So I have a show in development with a network right now. And they've acquired one of my photo series to create into a TV series. And I have had my outline due for months now. <laughs> and I finally submitted it. But um, a lot of the questions I was asking myself is, what is the story I want to tell right now? And what is the story that needs to be told? And, you know, in TV, in all media, in the Western world, I think this is a, I don't know if people really like think about this, but there is zero, not zero, like 1% representation of Middle Easterns in in the television space. We have Rami. And getting worse. Yeah, we have Rami, we have Mo, and then, you know, there's barely any Arabs in the writing rooms, barely any like, you know, Persians that we're just, um, we're very much not, uh, we've not been invited by Hollywood yet, in the, and we haven't been celebrated by Hollywood yet. And, you know, I grew up watching, like, TV shows from Australia, which was all white-centered, and it was all, all about the white narrative. And, and you know, it conditioned me for a really long time, and I've done so much work around my identity and, you know, celebrating who I am and the people that I come from. And I just, like, I really wish that we had representation and the big questions that I've been asking myself is how do we do that how can I use you know this opportunity that I have with this big network to tell my story as an Arab woman who grew up in a western world and so I submitted my outline on Friday and I literally had to call my exec and be like so I know you guys acquired this one series but I'm not focusing on that anymore. I'm like, that is one part of a bigger story. And I want to give you guys the bigger story because I know shows take years to make and I want to be fully invested in this. And I don't want to be invested in it if it's not going to be centered around a Palestinian woman. Hmm. And so, yeah, that's what I've been working on. Beautiful. Yeah. But of course, artists are never just working on one thing at a time. Earlier this year... Sarah released Dear Love, a beautiful book showcasing 600 images across 10 years of her work. For people who don't know your art, where should they begin? The early stuff, the now stuff, the all of it? I think they should begin with my book because I spent a year putting that together so you could have it all in one place. <laughs> uh, can you tell us about the book? Yes. Um, it's a decade of my art so it's photography it's film it's poetry it's writing uh it's a lifetime of storytelling so i dive deep into you know my background and my identity and where i come from and my journey to becoming the artist that i am today and uh, i spent a year working on this every day 12 to 16 hours a day i self published it i project managed it I you know funded it I invested like it's actually like half a million dollars now into this book um to to give it to the world and and it it means so much to me and I think people I think it's going to be one of those like slow burns where people like won't realize what they have in their hands until they actually take the time to read it I've held it in my hands it's absolutely beautiful Thank you. Also, uh, 
it's it's true what you just said. Um, I was expecting pictures, but the story and the intentionality to the story was was beautiful and was all the things you mentioned about being an artist and being authentic and being open and finding your identity. Uh, have you found your identity? Yeah, I think I have. Oh, wow. Success. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, it took a lot. It, it was, you know, I think we're, and I say this in the book as well, but we're born into this world as love. And then, you know, we just build so many layers of these like core beliefs that are fed to us by the people that we surround ourselves with, that we forget who we are. And if we can remove and shed all those layers and go back to love, then you're existing as, you know, the person you are and the person you're supposed to be. For someone who's not an artist, how do you shed those stories? If you're not an artist, um, I think there's an artist in all of us, but um, it, it's... Um, it's sitting with yourself and allowing yourself to feel what you're supposed to feel without judgment and truly just like embodying like this visitor, emotions of visitors, they come and they go. And if you ignore them, then they get louder and louder and heavier and heavier and they'll, they'll come with you wherever you go. And so you have to sit with your emotions and not let them dictate who you are, which is love. Uh, you have this love letter that you wrote in your book, Dear Lover. It's a uh, letter to baby Sarah. You mentioned some emotional things. Um, was it hard for you to write this letter? How long had you, when did you write this letter? Yeah, how did it spew out of you? Well, that whole book, Dear Love, was extremely challenging um, to create because I had to relive my trauma every day that I worked on it um, because I wanted to be able to use this book as a release to celebrate the things that I've overcome. Um, yeah, so I guess that letter was, it was hard, but I, I had to do it. Including the letter in the book was such a moving act of vulnerability. And for many, that's what art is all about. For Sarah, being an artist means getting in touch with your authentic self and potentially helping others along the way. What is the role of honesty and transparency in art? The role of honesty and transparency in art, I think it allows well as an artist if you can harness your inner most authentic self in your work and really give people the rawest and most vulnerable parts of yourself then that once you release it that is the um that is the power of art it it allows people to access those parts of themselves that they might not be able to without your work Thank you, Sarah, for sharing your story with me. If you want to check out Sarah's work or buy her book, Dear Love, go to sarahbaba, that's B-A-H-B-A-H dot com. She plans on going on a book tour, so look out for those dates, and you do not want to miss it. Peace and love, y'all. Many blessings. Brown Enough is a production of Stitcher Studios. It's created and hosted by me, Christopher Rivas, and I'm also an executive producer. Our team includes producer Manolo Morales, technical director Casey Holford, production assistant Gabriella Gladney, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Original music by Casey Holford. Special thanks to Abby Aguilar. Workhouse Media is a contributing producer to this podcast. Carlos E. Hernandez of Ikigai Management is also an executive producer of Brown Enough. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Brown Enough so you never miss an episode. Thanks. Peace and love.
At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hey parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.